Hello, everyone, and welcome to a CircuitPython conversation with Katni and Jeff. We decided to get together uh, to do a stream for CircuitPython Day and uh, talk about some recent projects that we worked on. Um, we thought it would be best to have someone to chat with, and so we decided to do sort of a basic interview uh, of one of us, and then we swap it up and go with the other one. Um, I, uh, I'm Katni. I am sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. I primarily work with the libraries um, and uh, write guides and a lot of other miscellaneous things. Um, but in terms of the CircuitPython project, uh, I'm sort of the overseer of all the libraries. Um, and sometimes I get a chance to actually write them, uh, which is what my project is going to be about, is the LED animation library. Um, and with that, I'll turn it over to Jeff to introduce himself. Hi, as Katni said, I'm Jeff. I've been uh, working with Adafruit on CircuitPython for around a year now, although I've been working with Python for more years than I'd care to admit. I work primarily on the core, but sometimes, like Katni says, uh, I also get a chance to do projects, um, although today I am going to focus on a particular couple of pieces of work I did to the CircuitPython core to enhance the projects that you can do with CircuitPython. All right, excellent. Um, so in terms of the format, uh, it's going to be sort of an interview conversation type thing. Uh, I will start with interviewing uh, Jeff. And then once we will, I'll ask a series of questions, we'll have a couple live demos. And then if uh, hopefully we have a little time to answer questions. If you want to be able to ask questions, please join the Adafruit Discord at adafru.it slash discord and go to the live broadcast chat channel. And uh, any questions that get posted there, we'll try to answer during the stream. Um, then we'll switch, conversation will be with me and I will do some live demos and uh, I will hopefully have some time to answer some questions um, if anybody has any at the end as well. And we do have to keep it to the hour because the next stream will be Scott doing his weekly deep dive. Yep. So we'll be finishing up uh, promptly at or slightly before um, 5 p.m. Eastern. Had to think about it. Um, and uh, so this is CircuitPython Day. Uh, we chose today because it's a fun, snaky number. And also, um, it's a little bit later than last year. Obviously, there's been a lot going on in the world, and this sort of gave us a little more time to plan. So we went with September instead of August this year. Um, and in terms of CircuitPython Day, we have dedicated today to Lambda Labs Makerspace. Um, on August 4th, Beirut, Lebanon experienced a massive explosion that left many dead injured as well as leaving thousands homeless. In the aftermath, Lambo Labs Makerspace stepped up and joined the many efforts to rebuild their community, including search and rescue, restoring damaged homes, and volunteering in many ways, including uh, providing aid tents to help the community find food and shelter and joining construction engineers to help with the rebuilding process. Uh, last year, Lambo Labs was a partner for CircuitPython Day, and this year we've dedicated CircuitPython Day to them for all the amazing work they're doing in the Beirut community. If you'd like to help with these efforts, there are two fundraising links that you can go to and uh, donate money. The first one is the Impact Lebanon fundraiser. The link is adafru.it slash impactlebanon. 
And the second is Anera and Global Shapers Fundraiser. And the link to that is adafru.it slash Global Shapers Beirut. Um, both of these are uh, groups that are doing uh, positive work in Beirut um, to help with uh, the aftermath of the explosion. And details about each fundraiser can be found at those links. So with that, um, I guess we'll get started. So uh, Jeff, why don't you talk a little bit for a moment about what project it is you're going to be talking about? Yeah, so when it comes to CircuitPython, you uh, have a certain limited amount of storage within the device itself. And like you do maybe with the digital camera or like we did with our phones years ago, you can add to the storage by uh, putting in an SD card. And um, so what I'm gonna talk about is how did that evolve over time and in particular with two projects that I did within the last year to enhance it. All right, great. So uh, how did SD support begin with CircuitPython? Uh, actually, that traces all the way back into MicroPython. So um, Damien George and other MicroPython contributors wrote an SD card library. And then early on, Scott adopted that, uh, adapted that into CircuitPython under the name Adafruit SD card. And of course, there are other contributors on the CircuitPython side as well. But uh, between those two libraries, basically uh, any microcontroller board with CircuitPython is going to be able to work with an SD card. Great. Um, what prompted the decision to update it? So um, we had identified a couple of problems with uh, the way it worked. And uh, so for instance, there was a bug that would manifest if you were um, showing a, a non-disk bitmap from your SD card that would uh, update in the background, but then you also wanted to uh, like read or open an, a different file on the SD card at the same time. So the situation might arise that CircuitPython would just lock up. And uh, this was kind of due to a decision that we made in, uh, in how CircuitPython differs from MicroPython. So in MicroPython, you can actually write in your code uh, during these, this stretch of lines of Python, interrupts are not permitted to occur and that would stop any other processing from taking away from what you were doing. And while you're reading from an SD card, um, you need to do that. But that meant uh, when you bring that over into CircuitPython, we didn't have that protection. You can't write that in CircuitPython because we'd like it to be easy so that nobody has to think about these things. Uh, but that meant that to have a bulletproof kind of implementation, we had to bring it from being a Python program or you know Python code into core code and so that's why we came up with the idea of creating uh, what is now called SD card IO. Um, and then we also added a second one that is called SDIO IO. All right. So what's the difference between SD card <laughs> IO and SDIO IO? I set you up for that one, didn't I? You did. Um, so basically, there are two primary electrical interfaces or uh, command interfaces to SD cards. And the one that is a lot easier for microcontrollers to work with is the one called, uh, the one that we call SD card IO or Adafruit SD card. And it works on the SPI bus. And that is three or four wires that are connected between the, the controlling microcontroller and the board. One to transmit data from the controller to the uh, SD card, one to transmit it the other way, and then a clock signal and a select signal that uh, kind of keep everything happening at the same moment. 
and that's well supported. It's supported on Arduino. It's supported on you know, anything that you would care to do microcontrollers with. Uh, but then we have a few boards that support another system of interface called SDIO. And with SDIO, you can transmit uh, up to four bits at a time by using additional connections between the microcontroller and the SD card. So uh, your more capable microcontrollers like the STM32F405 um, and then some of the Atmel SAMD chips have support for this. It's usually on the devices that are bigger and have more pins. You can hook those up and you can get a speed increase. Wow, all right. Um, so let's talk about the gains in performance then since that was obviously the goal. Right, uh, yeah, so I guess at this point, do we go ahead and bring up my demo? Basically, yeah. each one of those uh, increments kind of gets you going faster. So here, what I've got is, um, in this is a Adafruit board and a little 3D printed enclosure, uh, thanks, I think, to Noe and Pedro for that. And it has a Feather uh, NRF, whichever the number is, I'm blanking and an SD card and the TFT display sitting on top of it. And it is reading the bitmaps from the SD card and displaying them on the display. And as you can see, it kind of takes its time. <laughs> and so this is using the original Adafruit SD card um, implementation. And so when we go over to the new SDIO, no, the new SD card IO implementation, it just kind of gets things done faster. So um, the the long pause between the refreshes is not what you're looking at, but you're looking at the speed that each one of them kind of comes down the screen as it is actively refreshing. So, you know, this one is maybe two times, two and a half times faster. Mm -hmm. And so that means if you have a, an application that has a background and you want to change that background, it's just going to work a little bit better. Uh, so these are like 16-bit BMP files. They're not compressed. And each time it displays, CircuitPython has to read it from start to finish off of the SD card. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you're working with display IO, you're gonna wanna try and find other ways to reduce the amount of display updates. And that's its whole own thing. Uh, but then the star of the show, are you ready for the star? I yeah. am. I am, you am. This is, so these are both the NRF52840 feathers. This is the STM32F405 feather, and it is using the SDIO IO. And once again, you get a really big bump in how responsive it is at reading the bitmaps. So these are all the same files, and they're just three SD cards off of kind of the junk pile. And we've got a clear winner in terms of, you know, what, how fast do you read files? Um, so that, yeah, basically is what I wanted to show in the demo. And having done that, I will pop one of these open and just show you what's inside. I love their snap fit design cases. Um, you've got to pop the SD card out before you open it up. That's the, that's the trick. So yeah, printed these off on my 3D printer. And then I chose to drill out um, where the holes are for the screws. You can, uh, I think that they're intended to maybe accommodate the screw and kind of form a thread, but with the uh, nylon screws, that just doesn't work. So I drilled them through and put the nuts on the back and the screws on the front. And this is super easy to set up. You just put the feather in 
you, you'll want to get the short male headers mm -hmm. uh, if you do this, just so that it fits within the, the size of the enclosure. But it's really easy to put together. And then you've added the SD card and you've added the display, which actually includes this touchscreen to your project. And the libraries are um, right there to make all of those elements of CircuitPython work for you. Uh, yeah, so that is what is inside those. But what is inside here is going to be a little different. So I mentioned that um, the SDIO connection is a little bit different. So the first thing is that there is not an SD card inserted here because the STM feather has the SD card slot right on the device. Yeah. And so this has the extra connections that are necessary to let you use SDIO-IO. Right. Um, so it would be slightly frustrating um, if, if you were going to do this permanently but wanted to swap out the uh, SD card, you'd need to modify this case so that it had um, not this SD card slot, but so that it had an SD card slot about right uh, here mm -hmm. or right, right here, I guess. Uh, so, you know, if you want this setup, there's maybe a little work before you can turn it into the digital picture frame of your of your dreams, because mm -hmm. you'll need to you'll need a way to switch out the card. But uh, just yeah, so those are the kind of basic levels of hardware that I've been using the SD cards with. Very cool. So what new things does this allow us to do? Uh, so Mostly it allows us to do things that we already did more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned these problems with um, accessing the SD card both from your Python code explicitly while at the same time you were doing it automatically. And that could include if you are uh, playing an MP3 file mm -hmm. or if you are uh, showing a display IO bitmap. Um, so when you use the, these new interfaces, the problems where you would get lockups, they just go away. Um, because the access to the SD card is correctly managed when you're doing it in your code, then display IO will wait to update the screen. Uh, so some of the projects that I've done with SD cards, um, I did a little MP3 player app, which um, there's a guide about, and I hope that's ready to go on this. Let's see. No, that's not the demo that's ready to go. But you can play MP3s. This is playing MP3s from the SD card and the speaker is not hooked up. But uh, yeah, the, the idea of this demo is, you know, you press the button and it plays the other MP3 file. So audio files are a great thing to do because you can put, um, you know, hundreds of hours of MP3 audio on your SD card. And, right. um, and the, the, fla the flash that normally comes with the board is significantly limited. You would right. not be able to do that at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it depends on the particular board that you have, but um, they range anywhere, you know, usually in the megabyte, single digit megabyte range. Yeah. Um, which you can have a good amount of uh, MP3 audio on there already, but once you take the MP3 audio capability and add that to the SD card capability, it's like you have as much as you want. So do you want spooky sounds for your Halloween display? Um, you're going to want an SD card and, you know, go to websites for free sounds and get the hooting owl and get the, I don't know, creaking skeleton and just put them all on there and have it play at random intervals would be a great fun project to do. Yeah. 
Um, other than that, I don't necessarily have um, a lot of ideas that use SD cards. Oh, I do want to talk about one other thing. Um, so if you want to do data logging, mm -hmm. say you've got a little sensor, a battery, and a um, SD card, you can log from that sensor onto the SD card. And um, I don't have a, a demo of that right here, but um, with the older versions of the libraries, you know, you could maybe do a couple of logs per second. And with the new version, you can actually do hundreds of logs per second. Wow. Now this depends on how much, um, well, this depends on um, whether you're willing to tolerate the loss of the last bit of data when your battery runs out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can actually log a lot more uh, with the, the newer drivers than with the old drivers. So when you, and I should uh, say at the outset um, that these are new things that are available in CircuitPython 6 alpha versions. I think that they were not in uh, version 5.3. So you're going to get out there a little bit in front of everybody else and get the 6.0 alpha if you want to try out these features. Yeah, and for sure, it's it's actually been pretty stable. Um, when there's been major fixes needed, we've quickly gotten on them and mm -hmm. and fixed them. But we're moving quickly towards a beta, um, right? So definitely try that out and it, to get a access to the new features and B, we just love it when you try out our betas and let us know what's wrong. Yeah, um, you know, we depend on the community to uh, let us know where to work. And a big part of that is trying your project. And if you hit a snag, you know, we've, we want to help you work that out because if version six is not as good as version five, we've got problems and we need, we need to work on that. But at the same time with any complicated uh, project, you know, none of us is testing all of it and we're not going to catch your specific case because everybody's doing stuff that's a little different. For sure. Um, so let's say somebody wanted to uh, get something, they don't have any hardware yet, Mm -hmm. um, but they wanted to try this stuff out, what would you recommend as sort of some starter hardware? Right, so, I mean, these boards that I've been talking about already, um, they are pretty good, but you're gonna have to do a little soldering because um, this does not come with the headers installed. So if you think that this much soldering sounds like fun, then combining a feather wing and a feather is a great way to do it, and there is a pretty big range of um, boards. If you don't feel like soldering, if you just want something that is all in one, uh, this is called the Pi Portal. It's been out for a pretty long time. Uh, another 3D printed case from Adafruit that I've embellished with this little front panel. Um, I don't have a demo running on it right now, mm -hmm. um, but it has, again, a somewhat larger screen. I think that's, yeah, that's a hair larger. Yep. And it has the SD card slot right okay. there. Uh, this one has built-in Wi-Fi. So, you know, you can do online projects. So um, a project that I have wanted to do, I've been really tempted to do is imagine that this device sits on your desk or at another spot and it goes out and it looks at your podcast feed. Mm -hmm. And overnight it downloads your favorite podcast to the SD card. And then in the morning you touch the touch screen and it starts playing uh, because there is a speaker, there's a speaker connector on this, right? Let me open up item number two or number three, depending how you count. This is, uh, so the Pi Portal comes in three sizes. Mm -hmm. This is the original size. There's the Pint, which I don't have, and there's the Titano, which um, is a slightly bigger screen again. 
and I see Anne is dropping the links to these items in the chat. So thank you for that, Anne. Yeah, so this has got a connector for a standard speaker. Okay. And so, yeah, back to my little story of the project I would enjoy doing. It's going to download your podcast at night, store it on the SD card, and then when you're ready, you just play it. And so, you know, you'd embellish that maybe with a little logo of your uh, podcast or whatever. But the key would be it becomes kind of a low, um, low bar of how how hard do you have to work to get that podcast or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. But yeah, this would download it for you, play it, and it just, you know, becomes an appliance that makes your life a little better. Excellent. Uh, um, other items. This isn't so much um, what I would suggest to anybody else, but I just want to show it. Um, when it came to developing the SD IO IO, uh, we're actually supporting that on both the SAMD uh, 51 microcontroller in the uh, Metro Grand Central, in the in the Grand Central M4 Express, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. But uh, I didn't have that board, and it doesn't have the socket directly on it. So I picked up this board from Microchip, and it has the SD card connected by SDIO. And so it's called the Microchip SAM E54 Explained. And um, it was uh, a fun little detour to add that because I had hardware that uh, had presumably been uh, wired correctly rather than some uh, attempts at wiring my own SD cards with right. SDIOIO. But that doesn't have to be a problem for you because um, Adafruit has since then put out a card with correct pull-up resistors and all that. Anyway, so that was a little detour. The last... Uh, piece of hardware I wanted to suggest is one that I showed already. Um, this is the Pi Gamer. Again, it has, you know, it has the speaker, it has batteries, it has these fun controls. Um, and so, like I mentioned, there's a project out there to turn this into an MP3 player. So, you know, you could stick this in your pocket, go out for your jog, listen through the headphone jack. There's a headphone jack as an alternative to the speaker. Um, or just whatever else you imagine, you know, do you want atmospheric background MP3 music in your next uh, game that you're creating with CircuitPython? Uh, this would let you do that through the SD card and through the MP3 playback. And I think those were um, kind of the, the top boards, but any board or almost any feather, you can also put uh, a board called the Ada Logger Featherwing, mm -hmm. which has uh, an SD card and I think it has the um, real-time clock, mm -hmm. which for data logging is great for, you know, knowing what time it was. You know, the temperature went above 25 degrees, but when was that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those are uh, some of the alternatives that you have for hardware, kind of ranging from no solder up to I'd like to design my own uh, product or mm -hmm. level. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Great. Um, so we had uh, we have time for a few questions. Um, one question was from Scott, who said, "Are you hitting the limit of updating the display?" Um, so, am I hitting the limit of updating the display? 
Um, when I was writing the sample code, it uh, I did see some things that I don't quite understand about um, changing the bitmap versus updating the display. And I kind of worked around them to the best of my ability, but I'm not the person who's most knowledgeable about display IO. Um, and I think that there was a pull request recently that we're adding so that you'll be able to have a lot more direct control uh, over when does the screen update uh, by calling the refresh function. So if you uh, have more information to add to that, I would be happy to hear it. But um, I'm pretty sure that the way that this code is written, display IO is reading, you know, is is undertaking the activity of refreshing the screen as efficiently as it knows how. But mm -hmm. it's possible that I overlooked something and I'd be happy to share the code if somebody wants to look at me kind of in detail. Um, I see over on the chat, Foamy Guy says SD card is great for saving game state on the Pi Gamer as well. And that is uh, definitely true. So um, basically, when uh, CircuitPython operates normally, your uh, CircuitPy drive is not writable from your CircuitPython program because that's re reserved for the host computer to update the code.py. But the SD card is always writable by CircuitPython. So yeah, if you're writing a game that's going to save when you go from level to level or uh, you know whatever other mechanism you have, then uh, absolutely. And you know you could store just more more graphics. You could load your level graphics uh, off of the SD card and and all sorts of things. Just expanding kind of the scope of a game you could create. That's excellent. Um, any other questions? If you have any questions, um, please post them to the live broadcast chat on the Adafruit Discord. Mm -hmm. um, we have a couple more minutes if anybody has, um, has yeah. any further questions. I see someone shared one of their PyPortal projects. It says, I have this querying my last FM profile for what music I'm listening to currently, and the PyPortal shows me the album art too. That is super cool. What yeah. else have I missed? No, and Noah's going to add the STM Feather to the list of his boards to 3Dify. Anyway, I think that's it for questions. I think so, too. All right. Are you ready to turn this around and answer a few questions for me? I am. All right. Well, what is it that you wanted to uh, tell us about today? So uh, I was involved in writing a library called LED animation um, that started off uh, very small and has since become um, very uh, involved. Um, but it, it's to make displaying animations on LEDs simpler. Um, to actually do that is a lot of code. Um, and we wanted to make it so that you could, with just a few lines of code, run a fancy animation. Um, so we wrote a library for it, and that's what we're going to talk about. All right. Was there a particular inspiration behind the library? So <clears throat> the library itself was created at PyCon 2018. Um, but all that was added uh, during that sprint were uh, color variables. So, you know, the, um, the, the tuple, the mm -hmm. RGB tuple, and uh, set an, a variable for it. So red would be 25500 and so on. Um, and the idea was 
uh, at the time was really to do what we ended up doing with it, but it just, it didn't come to fruition uh, for quite a while. And so for the longest time, it was just color variables and really wasn't used. Mm -hmm. um, well, fact, still, I mean, colors are a big thing because I've uh, tried to introduce people who aren't into programming uh, on the LEDs. And I ask them, well, do you know like HTML colors or CSS? And when they say no, it's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to talk to you about colors because, you know, I, I'm familiar with them for a long time, but I don't know how to teach people. But when you can say amber, yeah, people know what that means, right? And, yeah. And for the longest time, actually, we were copying and pasting that entire file into other libraries. I've seen that on Learn. Yeah, because... Sure. Um, the, since the library was very underused and that's all there was to it, um, didn't want to add another import to code. So the clue library, for example, has color variables built into it. And um, that's all stuff that could change now, but uh, it's how we did a lot of things. Um, so adding animations didn't happen until the holiday season in 2019 when uh, we decided to add NeoPixel strips to our Christmas tree. And we started designing more and more animations and different ways to map them out so that animations would actually like wrap around the tree. And that means like you're mapping out different length strips because it's conical. And uh, as we design more animations, we wanted to share them uh, with others to use. So the inspiration was essentially real life uses that that basically shaped how the library was was written and what was added to it um, was inspired from what a project we were doing and wanting to be able to share that, you know, feature concept with other folks. And DV says NeoPixels make everything better, which I think is pretty much true. I agree. <laughs> Um, so what, um, when you think of animation, um, that's fine, but if, um, what if you want to do something else at the same time? So this library was entire, entirely designed to be a non-blocking library. Uh, it was, and it was designed so you could easily have multiple animations running, um, at the same time on maybe multiple strips and, um, all of the animations are clock-based so you can do other stuff super easily. The idea was to ensure that you could create projects like, for example, Aaron St. Blaine recently created a project that is a light up ukulele and it does different things. I helped things. her with the code on that. You did. So it, it does different things when, like does different animations when you do different things. So it's waiting constantly for a large series of inputs, you know, strumming, a single note, um, moving the ukulele around, things like that. and. Um, all of this was able to be done with the LED animation library. Um, so there, that's, that's one example. There are many um, using this library at this point, and many of them involve buttons or inputs or sensors or, or all sorts of things that um, create different levels in, of interactivity. And the library was designed to stay out of the way, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Something that a lot of people say is, well, CircuitPython is slow and other environments are fast. And, well, we don't need to make any, you know, uh, claims of CircuitPython being the fastest, but uh, this library is fast enough, right? So it, it absolutely is. Um, you can't really discuss the speed and performance of the library without also um, bringing up Pixelbuff, which is 
a, uh, it's something that's built into the CircuitPython core that moves the um, pixel math. I, this is a very, very high level explanation of pixel buff, <laughs> um, but it moves the pixel math into the C code, um, mm -hmm. which is significantly faster than, than it being in the Python code. And so we made that work with NeoPixel and Dotstar and so on. So all of them use this chunk of, of performance stuff that was added to the core to be significantly faster. And we, um, the, it just it just sort of bled into how quickly the animation started running. And really this whole thing started in 2018 at PyCon when I was complaining that rainbows were too slow. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted faster rainbows and that triggered pixel buff. And in the end, this library really ended up being a test suite for pixel buff. Um, typically we began with what we wanted to do. For example, I wanted a sparkles animation. So we hacked together sparkles and we made it work uh, and then went back through it to optimize it to work in the best way possible and um, to use the least amount of memory and uh, the highest possible speed that we could do it. Um, and then we put that in the library, uh, which pulls it out of your code.py. Um, so there's two lines of code now to run that Sparkle animation, and it's much faster than ever possibly could have been before uh, PixelBuff was added. So it, 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 in, it's in tandem with another feature that was added to CircuitPython, but it is definitely fast enough. And I assume that kind of that speed depends on which particular microcontroller you're choosing. Does it also depend on the type of LED? So it doesn't depend on the type of LED. In terms of the type of microcontroller you're using, if you're using one of the super basic ones, um, so some of what is used is something called uh, a, a, a function, or I don't remember exactly what style of thing it is, but time dot um, in Python. And then it's monotonic underscore NS. And time.monotonic um, works on all boards, but the nanosecond version of it doesn't. And we found this on the, um, on the Christmas tree is if you leave it running for a very long period of time, it slows way down because time.monotonic loses resolution the higher it goes because it's just based on how long the board has been on since the last hard reset or or power cycle. Um, so uh, we we added the underscore NS to the boards that have it, but those that don't, um, we had to add extra code to make it not slow down over time because the Christmas tree would do it and it, it took us a while to figure out um, things would end up out of sync. Um, there, I think there's code in there now, if I remember correctly, that um, just does some extra math to keep the resolution better so that on a trinket, for example, um, it doesn't slow down. But the speed for the most part is, is pretty much the same. Um, across all of the things. The, the amount of stuff you can do at, at once is limited based on mm -hmm. the what type of board you're using. Um, but it's not um, it's not a, it's not an issue of uh, like how fast the animation itself will go. You know the one if you run one animation on a very tiny board, it's gonna still be the same speed as mm -hmm. if you were running it on another as long as you you know are updated far enough to have pixel buff. So it's uh, more a matter of the maximum complexity yes. of what your program can be, which I think 
is just kind of inevitable. The board was designed with less capacity. Yes, it was. So, and there are, yes, uh, somebody said in the chat, limited like a RAM issue. That's exactly mm -hmm. what's going on. Um, the M0 boards can run almost all the animations alone. So in individually, and then some of the basic animations you can run together. Um, but there's at least, I want to say one or two animations that are just too complex for the M0 board period. Hmm. Um, and uh, a few of the examples we put together with the more complicated animations, we specifically set at the, in a doc string at the top, this probably won't work on an M0, so use an M4 or better. Right. Um, so I'm just gonna um, interrupt for a second. Don K has a correction to what I said um, earlier. The Adafruit Feather M0 has an SD card but does not have a real-time clock. The Ada Logger Featherwing does have an SD card and a real-time clock. So wow. I was confusing two different products. Gotcha. So thanks, Don. Um, so I think now is the time when you were going to show us a demo. I was. Um, Did you well, have any of these LEDs, you know, around you or nearby? I don't. There oh. are no LEDs anywhere. Oh no, Katni. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, the last thing I wanted is there's very little limitation on the number of LEDs or the form factor, even on smaller boards. Um, that's more of a power issue, not a matter of can your board communicate with that many LEDs. It's it's a, there's a very huge numbers that can actually be uh, communicated with. So live demo. Yeah. Um, first up, I'm going to bring up my um, hover cam here. Um, that is, of course, slightly out of focus. And I don't know what happened, so I'm just going to leave it. Um, because if I mess with it, I'm going to screw it up. So these are two um, NeoPixel feather wings that are running on feathers. Um, one of them's an M4 and one of them's a NRF52840. That's irrelevant. It's what I had soldered properly. Um, and this is running all, almost all the basic animations um, just in sequence. I grabbed, uh, I wrote a guide about this. There is a guide about this library. And um, I grabbed like all the basic code um, from the, the guide quickly and just mushed it all together. Um, and this is what I use for the guide. Um, there's 3D printed um, diffusers on top. That's why they're um, sort of diffused and why it doesn't look like a NeoPixel feather wing. Um, but this was all the stuff that we wanted to be able to do. Um, and it just, like I said, started as uh, code.py that got very, very complicated. And we just kept grabbing chunks out of it and putting it into the library. And eventually we split the library up so that every single animation is its own file. And that was what made it where the M0 can work with most of it. Um, when they were all in one, the, it failed on import. It was too big. Um, so the amazing thing I did, uh, which I didn't, it, it's, it's uh, featured in the guide, but I did not um, actually do it for the guide. Um, is my LED wall. Again, see, the display is backwards. And so if I'm looking <laughs> at the screen, I always point at the wrong thing. So this is uh, 13 um, 20 neopixel long dots strips 
They have flexi wires. Um, they're designed more for um, they're designed more for uh, wearables, kind of. Um, however, they worked really well on the Christmas tree. The, all of the, all of this, I can point. All of this was on the tree. Um, and after we took down the tree, I was like, I need something back because the tree was so amazing. Um, so it's uh, it's entirely um, cable clips, 3M command cable clips. Uh, after I took a level and measured out where to put them um, and then uh, secured it all onto the wall. And um, these are the four inch pitch. There are four inch and two inch pitch. The two inch pitch are shorter because it's still 20 LEDs on a strip. Um, and it turns out these worked really well for the LED wall. Um, there are so many NeoPixel strip form factors. The dots are kind of expensive. Um, so if you're looking to do your own grid and you wanna be able to do it um, at a little less cost, consider just getting a low density NeoPixel strip um, or a series of those rather, and then um, hook them up. There's there's plugs on the ends of every one of these, so I was able to just plug it in. So the actual thing zigzags. Um, so if I were to put um, a single comet, for example, where it just kind of goes across uh, without any um, of the fancy grid mapping stuff that got put into the pixel library or the LED animation library, um, it would just go back and forth. And so what we did was we added helpers to the LED animation library that make it super easy to take your grid of some sort, well, like the, uh, the feather wing is a grid, um, and it's a grid that goes across this way. And so you can tell very, it's one of the options is to tell it that it's alternating um, and you tell it that it's horizontal. So you have like a few things you tell it and you tell it the number of LEDs total and then how long the side is and how long the bottom is. And then it just makes the grid for you. And so that is what allows um, animations like these where they're they're treating it like it's a grid and they're moving across the grid instead of having it go in a weird sequence mm -hmm. um, because that's the LEDs are soldered in serial in, in a particular order. Yeah, and it and it treats it like a strip. Um, Circuit Python does so it it sees that grid and treats it like one strip. And really, this is one strip. Um, and so we, but we wanted it to act like a grid so we can display all kinds of stuff on it. And uh, so that's why those helpers were added. They're pixel mapping helpers and there's um, a few different ones in there depending on how complicated your grid setup is um, or what it is you're trying to do with it, for example. Um, and, and there's also the option to individually label every single pixel and create a pixel map yourself which is super tedious, but again, Aaron did it in the in the ukulele project. And the reason that we put that in there is because trying to identify a pixel map of a conical tree <laughs> was not going to happen without individual things. And we actually mm -hmm. had a star on top of the tree that it went up and then out, um, which was actually a single strip that did this. According to Circuit Python, it was actually individual bits. Um, and we wanted it to be able to go up and go out like 
a star. Um, so we pixel mapped that very carefully as well. Um, and so all of this came out of like, basically we were like, we wanna do this thing, how do we do it? Let's make it easier. Um, and that's sort of how it evolved. Um, there's all kinds of animations. Um, the basic animations are like blank and uh, color cycle and pulse and the basic comet. Um, and then there's a few rainbow animations, which are sort of rainbow versions of those animations. There's sparkle. Um, there's a rainbow, rainbow version of that. Um, I feel like there's more that I'm missing. Um, well, head to the learn guide if you want to see them all. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, it makes things super easy. Um, I basically, when we, when we designed it, um, there was one project that was the first project that used it. And it was a project by Noah and Pedro, I believe, um, that, uh, they, it was, it was the first time it was used and it was, it was a, um, mirror reflective box type thing, like an infinity, infinity. Oh, the cube. infinity cube. Yeah. I, I have the 3d print and it's been waiting to be assembled for a very long time, but so that uses, was super cool. Yeah. It uses the library and they were like, this is so simple. <laughs> they just they just wrote six lines of code and it, it looked amazing. Um, so they started using it. JP started using it. Aaron St. Blaine started using it. And it, it just, it blew up from there. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, JP has said to me multiple times, he'll never go back. <laughs> he will use this library forever for everything he possibly can. Um, and so it's been great to see it used. That's that's another thing. You write a library or a guide and you don't know um, you don't know if people are using it. Mm -hmm. Except when maybe you get feedback about something being broken. Right. Um, so you've no idea. But now I'm just seeing all these projects where people are using this library and it's it's been it's been super cool. And like I, you know, I'm able to help folks out. Um uh, right now, uh, one of the guys from DigiKey designed a huge clue, mm -hmm. and he's got four NeoPixel um, grids on for the display, and they're so they're each one is, goes like this, and then there's four of them this way. <laughs> so he had to be able to map a strip that basically did this. And it took some effort, um, but we figured it out. And it was it was like a small helper that we put in code.py that generated the grid out of these multiple mm -hmm. angles of things that were involved and um, got it so that he can run animations on that as well. And he wants to be able to put images on it, which we've done with the LED wall, um, but it's been super hacky code, like real big and memory, uh -huh. memory hogging. And usually it results in memory allocation failures unless we disable all the other animations. Um, yeah. But it, it's looked really good. I'm guessing that once you look into it, you'll find a better way and you'll be oh, able yeah. to store some reasonable, um, reasonable images instead of being limited. Yeah, I think so. And I think that also comes with um, some of the work that uh, you guys have been doing on the core um, with possibly getting display IO to work on you know, matrices or whatever. Um, we may be able to 
make images. Yeah, there's a different kind of uh, LED matrix that CircuitPython Display.io does work with now, mm -hmm. uh, but those are different than these uh, a little right. bit. Right, because it's it's an act, it's a it's a matrix. It's not. Yeah, a, um, it is really a matrix. It's not. A, it's not a grid. Mm -hmm. All right, it's not it's something not we a, created a on a strip. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not a line. Exactly. Um. So yeah, that it and it. I love it. Um. Obviously, I have it on my wall. Mm -hmm. Um. And that's running on a Feather NRF fifty two eight forty. Um. The sort of plan. Uh. Because the Christmas tree was running on one as well, and we could control it via Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. Um is to be able to control that via Bluetooth. Um, for the most part, uh, we actually, because we got tired of pulling a feather off the wall and uh, walking it over here and then making an iteration and then having to go back and plug it in to see if it worked, there is nine feet of USB cable on that feather. <laughs> so it's way behind me, but I have it plugged into my machine. Um, and if you wanna see a quick, uh, let me see if I can, share a different app. Sure, while you're doing that, um, AP Killer says, what is the SPI chip you talk to? And so we work with two kinds of LEDs primarily for the LED strips, and they're just known by the names NeoPixel and .star. And there's not a separate SPI chip. The, the signaling comes from the microcontroller and goes to the first LED, and then the first LED sends the signal onto the second LED, and so forth. So um, I think there may be a more technical answer than that, but they're called NeoPixel and .star, and they're kind of their own thing. NeoPixel definitely is its own thing. So we're currently iterating on new ideas on the wall. Um, so this code is super complicated, and I'm not going to explain it. This is just to give you a quick view of what building the library looked like. Um, there's a lot going on. There's, you know, a bunch of commented out code, a um, bunch more going on. And the loop we finally get to is also still very complicated. So that, the imports are still super beefy. Um, but that turned into this, where I set up my pixels right here. This is the mapping to make the um, NeoPixel to make the NeoPixel Featherwing um, work this way and this way. Um, these are the animations. Um, these are the animations that use the mapping. Then you list all the animations that you want to play, and that's what your while true loop looks like. And, that, and so, if I had a sensor or something, that would kind of alternate with the mm -hmm. code to animate. Yeah, exactly. Or you would tell it um, if the sensor results are higher than foo, you know, animate this thing mm -hmm. um, or something like that. Because you can you can also animate individual animations. This is um, using animation sequence to uh, play all of them at once. Um, but that's what gets to um, that's what gets to this. Right. And this is just a series of the basic animations running. Um, but right now, because we're still iterating on everything, the code for for the wall is very complicated. But I guess the reason I wanted to show that is that's how things started. And like we got it to an API that is very simple. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, people were saying about Dan's uh, broadcast earlier, it's nice to see that you're human and you have messy code or you make mistakes. And that's definitely a part of this process. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we try and make a final product look polished, but there are a lot of steps along the way that are less. Exactly. Polished. And even sometimes we will commit code, you know, to the final product that is still not polished and we'll go back and do it. It's, you know, that's, that's what, that's, we, we use Git and GitHub and uh, for version control. And it's a really excellent tool for that because it's very easy to go in and say, oh, this should have been better or, you know, that broke something, let's revert mm -hmm. it, that sort of thing um, makes it very simple. Um, there's a question in Discord. Uh, oh, oh, there's a way to do over the air coding on Arduino um, via Wi-Fi. Is there a utility in CircuitPython? Uh, not that I'm aware of. So there's something that Scott is working on, but it's yes. not at a state of being ready. Um, the vision is that that will go over a Bluetooth connection mm -hmm. and be usable from tablets and computers and all those things, but yep. uh, it's not ready yet. Yeah, it's not it's not out yet, dumbass. <laughs> um, so we're working on something like that, but it'll use yeah. Bluetooth instead of Wi-Fi. Um, well, it's possible someday we would get to both. And yeah, you know, if now. you have um, ideas uh, and you know, we love ideas. We love people who can kind of bring those ideas to fruition more. So it's possible that there's a community member out there who is the one to really kind of bring this into being because we're also busy with other <laughs> other stuff and prioritizing everything is hard. Uh, so Noah had asked, uh, I remember seeing a Canadian flag on your wall. Yeah. Was that a hard coded? It was hard coded. Um, <laughs> And it was nasty looking. Uh, mm -hmm. It was it was like pixel by pixel sort of right. um, sort of done. I didn't I didn't write it. Um, I just got to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it was definitely hard coded. And um, we've done like some logos and some other stuff that we've put up there. And all of it's just been like mapped in mm -hmm. code.py. Um, and almost all of them, we had to disable other animations, or it would cycle through so many of them and then just stop. So um, I guess we're close to finishing up. Did you we have are. any more questions? Well, I wanted to hear kind of your hardware picks for somebody who's just getting started, uh, maybe with CircuitPython or maybe with LEDs. Uh, okay. Where do you start? Um, so uh, the best place, I think, to get started with, uh, if you want to use the LED animation library, but you want to have other options for learning and so on, is the Circuit Playground Bluefruit. Um, I realized I cleaned my desk and I don't have one. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it's, a, it's a small board, um, but it's got a lot of sensors and buttons and inputs and, and GPIO and all this stuff packed into this, um, this small form factor. And it includes 10 LEDs around the outside. Uh -huh. of it. I've, I've got one if you want to switch my oh, share yeah, on. Right. It's not hooked up or anything, but oh, this I've is also, what we're talking about. Yeah, I've also obtained one apparently. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this this little board will run all of the animations. Um, and it gives you a lot of options um, to do um, to do a bunch of stuff. And so it is great because you don't have to solder really to do a bunch of different projects with this board. Um, so it's a great it's it's a great way to get started. Um, the other option is uh, if you want to do a little bit of soldering, um, the Feather M4 or the, or the NRF 52840 uh, plus the NeoPixel or DotStar Feather Wings. Um, the library also works with DotStars. So if you are um, looking to, and that's what, uh, that's what these are, are um, 
the, our feathers attached to uh, feather wings. I know they're dark, but that was the only way to get the um, LEDs to show up properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're um, always a challenge to get on camera. Yeah. And so those are the other two things I would suggest. Um, a lot of the demo stuff was written for the NeoPixel uh, Featherwing, although it's easy, it's easy to update. But if you want to just be able to use all those examples in the guide right off the bat, um, NeoPixel Featherwing is the way to go. And I also wanted to show this. Um, this is a NeoPixel ring in a um, 3D printed uh, case for dif diffusing. And um, this is ring mode, um, which will end up being handy on the Circuit Playground Bluefruit uh, if we end up getting it um, included. But you can do it on any form factor. So if you made the concentric rings on your wall with strips or something like that, um, you could definitely uh, use the LED animation library for all kinds of fun stuff there as well. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the diffusing plastic, I want to give a shout out to Noah, Noah and Pedro because they've done a lot of projects that involve 3D printing uh, mm -hmm. and you know integrating these LEDs into them. The uh, you know that reminded me they did a really awesome looking. I think this used a laser cut or a CNC mill uh, plastic, but on a small ring, and it just oh, it looks so good. Um, I love seeing their stuff. Um, and I'm sure Anne has been sharing so many links in the Discord. So if you're on YouTube, join us on Discord and get the links from Anne because there's links to guides and products mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. For sure. Uh, so DV asks, what version of CircuitPython has all this pixel buff awesomeness? I think 5.3 is pretty much mm -hmm. complete. So you can go and, get the stable version. Yeah. And 6.0 has it as well. So if you are looking to go bleeding edge and try stuff out, you can also do the alpha. I have the alpha on all these boards and have not run mm -hmm. into any problems. Great. Um, so that's that's a, another way to go. Um, yeah, so the pixel buff stuff is built in and NeoPixel and DotStar are designed to use it. So you don't have to actually interact with pixel buff. Um, Pixel Buff just exists and interacts with the other libraries. All right, and with that, I think it's time to wrap up. I think you need up. to wrap us up. <laughs> I do. Um, so this has been a CircuitPython conversation with Jeff and Katni. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we wanted to be able to chat about stuff for CircuitPython Day, and these were the two projects that we thought um, you would enjoy the most. So um, we have uh, up next is Scott who's gonna be doing uh, his deep dive live stream that he normally does on Fridays uh, for CircuitPython Day today. Um, and so he's starting at 5 p.m. Eastern and whatever time that is in Pacific. Um, <laughs> but he's starting in two minutes. So uh, we're gonna jet and um, thank you everybody for watching. Thank you everybody for participating. I hope we answered all your questions. Uh, check out the links in the chat. Uh, for more information. And with that, um, I will say farewell. It was and, nice seeing everybody. Yeah. Thanks again, everybody, for watching. And we will uh, see you again in the chats. All right. Later. <laughs>